Welcome back to the Next Wall at the Buzzer podcast. My name is Joshua Richards. I'm here with Dean Juanu and Candice Pedraza. We're going to be discussing the Knicks 112-100 loss against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they fall to 7-5 and five on the campaign. Today was a thrilling loss, to say the least. There was some up and downs in the first half, and we had a classic Knicks fake comeback in the third and fourth quarter. What are your thoughts, Dean? Well, starting from the top, uh, obviously Randall came out firing tonight. That excited me. I liked his body language a lot to start the game. Uh, clearly the game plan once again was to double up on Giannis at every opportunity. The Knicks left shooters again. Grayson Allen, especially Pat Connaughton, guys like that really killed us tonight. Um, but I was really happy with uh, Randall in the opening minutes with Mitchell Robinson. Uh, we'll get into Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, you know, still struggling to get acclimated with that starting group, but I didn't think they played a bad first quarter. They trailed. Um, but I really didn't think that they started out too bad. It was, it was more the, the second quarter and you know the start of the second half where things went off the rails. Yeah, I feel like I had a lot of hope during the first couple of minutes of this game and just knowing that they had beat Milwaukee so recently as of last week even, and Milwaukee is also a team that's still trying to click and find itself, especially with you know Chris Middleton out, who is a big piece of their starting five. I had a lot of optimism heading into this game. Um, and to your point, Dean, Randall looked great to start this game. And I was really excited to see him go off. I thought it was going to be one of those, you know, big games for him to start the season. I thought Barrett looked solid. A lot of his passes out to Kemba Walker, to Fournier, to Randall were stellar. They just weren't falling. And I think that that's just been the theme of this season. Just a lot of open shots for folks like Evan Fournier, especially who are known for their shooting skill and things just aren't clicking for them. The starting unit has just been overall pretty disappointing, and I think the numbers definitely reflect that. Yeah, I wanted this game badly. This would have been a really great momentum win for the Knicks. They would have moved to 8-4 and four if they won tonight. Four games over 100, that would have put a good standing. But yeah, Julius Randle start off the game was, was firing. Like he was taking, finally taking those wide-open threes off the catch, not pump-faking and trying to get him uh, to dribble to get up a contested mid-range shot, so that was really good. Maybe he was motivated from, I think he's donating $500 to every single three-point shots, like I think Earl Monroe's school foundation, so that's really nice of him. But yeah, along with Candace was saying, R.J. Barrett's passing, he might even be like one of the best passers, maybe the best passer on this team, uh, excluding like Derrick Rose, maybe Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Kemba's a good passer also, but we really haven't seen that on full display this season so far, but yeah. Julius Randle, spectacular. I was really getting some flashbacks of last season because I feel like him getting those shots up early 
those wide open shots can kind of get him into a rhythm. I remember seeing that a lot last year and where he just put that shot up and he'd make a couple shots and he gets them going. He's not putting his head down and he can get into a good rhythm. And we kind of saw that for the first couple of minutes of the game. I was hoping when uh, Randall got off to the start that he did, that um, it would translate to the whole rest of that starting unit. You know, Randall really had it cooking, but there was a point where I think we had 10 points and Randall had eight of them. And I'm thinking to myself, is, uh, is anyone else going to get it going? I was really happy that uh, Randall started the way he did, but it doesn't really mean anything if, you know, at the end, by the time the starters come out, we're still trailing because it's not a great group effort. And um, seeing the stat now, the updated stat, the Knicks starting lineup, is just a glaring negative. It's in 205 minutes, it's minus 14.4 net rating. And uh, the bench in 61 minutes, uh, that's with Taj Gibson at center, is a plus is a plus 19.9 net rating. Um, that obviously passes the eye tests. It's the story of pretty much every game. Uh, they really have to find a way to get these starters going. I don't know if the answer is mixing up these lineups, but something has to give. Yeah, I mean, I think mixing it up is going to be best case scenario. And just thinking on, you know, Tibbs' post-game comments where he's obviously upset. He's upset that the starters just aren't clicking and he's going to get tired of that narrative starting to surround the starting lineup of, you know, they'll eventually click. We don't know that. We don't know if they're going to eventually click. I hope they do. Um, just because I don't want a repeat of last season where I feel like a lot of games ended up in the hands of our bench and in the hands of Derrick Rose and IQ and Toppin. I would love to see a competent starting lineup for more than a one-game stretch. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the backcourt for the Knicks. Um, Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, they started off hot. I feel like in that Celtics game especially, I was completely sold on the both of them. Since then, it's just been so hard to watch, especially Kemba Walker. I feel like he could be doing so much more passing, a lot more driving to the basket, but instead he's just been settling for a lot of spot-up shots and they're just not falling for him. He needs to figure something else out and he clearly hasn't. And I mean, the rating of negative 22, I think for both Walker and Fournier tonight, only two points between Walker and Fournier compared to Derrick Rose and IQ, they combined Rose with 22 points, IQ with 18. That's not going to cut it unless Tim switches it around and starts putting in the more efficient bench players with the starters. I don't know what needs to happen to make that work, but yeah, that backcourt has been a really big problem for me. Yeah, so when people look at this game, their fault is going to lie on Tibbs and his lineup rotations. Uh, but, you know, people can say, like, you might need to switch up and mix and match the lineups, but I think the starters just need to figure things out. You know, so much was said about, even though it was a short, short amount of time, with Kemba and Fournier, their chemistry in Boston and how they were playing so well together. And you could even see it in, like, preseason. I know it's just preseason, but, like, the starters, they a good chemistry this from three point range in preseason, even like, like what Candace was saying in the first Celtics game. This they, they have potential to have chemistry. We haven't really seen that Randall Fournier two man game. It's kind of weird because at points when Fournier is that, I guess you could say, second option behind Randall, RG kind of gets frozen out. You saw that for the first four games, 
And after that, when RJ kind of gets going, Fournier has been kind of frozen out of the offense a little bit. So it's going to be hard to figure out how you can fully balance those two guys. I think that's probably where we're kind of messing up and trying to figure out that balance. And now Kemba isn't really understand, understanding where his, his fit in lineup is. But there's no true two, true second option on this team in the starting lineup that you can kind of say is supposed to be at that option. We kind of want that to be Kemba, but his injuries and you kind of tell that his health isn't fully all the way there. I was kind of joking on Twitter saying that the Celtics fans are right, saying that Kemba was kind of washed up, even though I don't think that's fully the, the case. But you can kind of see that Kemba isn't fully Adam Sophia, and that, that's bothering me. I think Kemba has to find a way to be impactful in his minutes in the, on the game, on the court. And I don't know if it's him getting to the basket or um, shooting better from three, but when he's on the court, he has to leave his impact. You can see it. I mean, it might take him a while because especially Derrick Rose, it took him years to finally remodel his game after being such an explosive player. Kemba might have to do some of that, you know, soul searching, figuring out how his impact is going to be on the game. So we have to kind of give him more games. It's only 12 games so far in the season, but you know, the, start, the starters have to do better. I want to keep the bench as is. You can see that they've been having this chemistry since last year. And when they get fired, and this is going to be such an important part of our team, I don't want to mess that up. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really hard to say that you should move things around because this bench unit, I believe the five-man bench unit has the best net rating of any combination of five players in the league to this point. Um, and that's incredible. However, we start the first half pretty much with the starters in for the first 10 minutes of the game. And usually Randall will play the whole quarter. We do the same thing in the third quarter. So if it's using that bench lineup more often for more minutes, I think a very important thing, and you know, we talk about it all the time, fans talk about it all the time, but we need to see Obi Toppin with Julius Randall. Obi Toppin can't just be playing the minutes that Randall isn't playing. You know, with that bench unit, it just plays at such a faster pace than the starters. And you have to think that if OB got mixed into some of those lineups with the starters, the way that he runs the court, they'd have no choice but to look for him or to at least see that he's already down court. We got to push the pace a little bit. It's just such a stark contrast between the two lineups when it comes to the tempo. Yeah, I mean, it was so fun to watch the game after the bench came in, especially in the second half. I mean, I think Tibbs completely just gave up on the starters at some point. I was just waiting for the commercial break to end watching this game and just to see the starters back in. And at that point I would have given up. And that's a horrible feeling to have, especially about your starters who are talented. I think all five starters for the Knicks have the potential to be very important contributors to wins every night. But just for some reason, I don't know if it's chemistry or just them not understanding their roles or what have you. It's just not working at the moment. But that bench unit is stellar. I mean, Obi Toppin has stepped up in a big way from last season. His defense especially is really great to me compared to last season. And I'm also just really happy to see that IQ got his shot back. I know that a lot of people were worried that he might have lost his stuff from last year. He was in his little sophomore slump, but that lasted about a millisecond. Uh, his moments have been huge for New York. Derrick Rose, as usual, has been fantastic. I think he really 
helps Obi shine in his role as a point guard who's able to run the pick and roll with him very seamlessly. Um, and he also matches Obi's energy, um, which is just fantastic. And I was actually pretty happy with Alec Burks tonight. I know the last game I was a little bit critical of him, uh, just kind of taking terrible shots, in my opinion, doing a little bit of cardio out there. But tonight, I think he was pretty efficient. And I'm not mad at his offense, but the defense, I think there were a lot of times where Pat Connaughton was left open and he was supposed to be manning him. And we saw how that ended up for us. So I think with Alec Burks, that's another big defensive question, but I think the perimeter defense in general is just such a big red flag to me when it comes to this team right now. Yeah, for sure. And we have to highlight the second half. I feel like the second half depicted, I mean, the third quarter in general depicted the stark contrast between the starters and the bench. So the Knicks came into the second half with a, a nine-point, was a nine-point deficit. And the Knicks, the starters came back in, lack of energy. And I believe they went, about, went down about, about like 20 points in that, that, that third quarter. And at the point, I, was, I wasn't feeling too mad about the game. It's the Bucs. Um, I would have felt fine if they had lost, would have chalked it up and went back and said, okay, it's the Bucs, the reigning champs. You know, you can lose a couple of games like this. But then at the end of the third, the bench unit comes back in and you can see the instant energies. The second Derrick Rose came in for Kemba Walker and they're not giving up. They see that they're down by whatever amount of points, but they're still pushing. They're still thinking that there's a chance they can get back in the game. I think it was, I thought the game was almost over at that point. But then there's a couple Alec Burks pull up threes some Derrick Rose threes, some quickly threes, buckets. Obi comes in the game, getting active on the glass. Also, the Knicks were getting killed on the glass the first half. I didn't even talk about that. That was a very embarrassing effort from us on that end. But, yeah, the second they come into the game and just electric all around. Dean, what are your thoughts on the second half? Oh, man, just night and day still towards the end of that third quarter. Um, I have one play in my mind for some reason when uh, the Knicks were down, I think, 88 to 81. They're already making like a, you know, really just, they were making one hell of a run in that fourth quarter. And Obi Toppin grabs the rebound, pushes the pace. It ends up in Derrick Rose's hand. He hits a wing three. At that point, you're not even letting yourself think, you know, the Knicks come back and they can win this game. But that group just doesn't seem to care you know, what the circumstances are. They always push it. They always play really hard. And maybe that's because, you know, they don't feel the weight of the big deficit they're facing since it's usually not that group that, that brought upon the deficit. They just think, oh, we got to chip away at this wherever we can. Um, the Knicks, I believe they actually went down 24 at one point. I think that's the worst it was. And I think that the, the mindset of that bench group is just, oh, we have to win our minutes by at least 24 points. Um, and at one point they came back to tie it, which really was remarkable. Um, we have to talk about Emmanuel quickly some more twice. He just burned his defender on the perimeter, got to the basket for that, uh, right hand underhanded scoop shot high off the glass. That looked really good. He was hitting his threes, hitting some threes off the dribble. Um, Obi doing his usual running the court. Uh, he's gotten a lot better in the half court and like catching, ripping through, getting to the basket and finishing strong. It was just a joy to watch. Taj Gibson played some great defense. 
uh, down in the paint, blocked some shots, just, you know, getting active. And like when I watch Derek Rose with the ball in his hands with that unit, it's just like he's so in sync with everybody on the court. He knows where everyone wants to be. He's always, you know, even when he's driving, he's got it in mind. Who is where? How can I kick it to the corner? How can I leverage, you know, the attention I'm drawing to get it to someone else? And I think Kemba Walker is capable of that. I'm not counting. Uh, I'm not counting out Kemba Walker by any means, but it takes time to build that chemistry. I don't know how much time you know the Knicks can afford to just you know, leave things the way they are with the rotation. But uh, I think that the starters can learn a lot from the way the bench plays off one another. Yeah, I actually just saw a pretty interesting fact: the bench unit for the Knicks is actually the most efficient five-man lineup in the NBA right now with at least 50 minutes played. Um, So that's compared to the starting lineup of the 76ers, of the Orlando Magic, for Dallas, for a couple of other teams. I mean, it's we knew that they were going to have one of the best benches in the league, but I'm going to think positively, and I'll just say that I can't wait to see how that bench ends up complementing a much more efficient, a much more energetic starting lineup for the Knicks. I know that they can click. Um, It's just not working for them right now. And it definitely wasn't working for them in the first half of this game. And what ended up happening was just that the bench had to get them out of a hole as per usual, unfortunately. And, you know, they were able to show how important they are to this team, but I just can't wait for the starters to really click. Like that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's, you hope it happens sooner than later. I saw another interesting stat on Twitter that the Knicks have the fifth worst defense and we had the third best defense last year. So part of that is definitely the starters, but all around there's just something different about this Knicks team that needs to get situated. I don't think their effort was lacking today. Like Dean mentioned earlier, the, the option on today was to shut down Giannis and I think they did a good job with that. Um, but this team, we still kind of lack that personnel to, you know, get that, that double and run back out to the three-pointers, three-point shooters. So, you know, the personnel isn't always there, so we might have to tweak that at some points. This is going to be a def- definitely going to be a game that they have to look back at the drawing board to figure out how you can fix things up. Touch on the third quarter a little bit more, or the, third sec- the second half, to touch on a little bit more. I definitely think IQ had a really good game. The past four games, he's been sensational. Finally got out of that. People were trying to say he was in a sophomore slump. You know, IQ works extremely hard in this game, so I wasn't, I didn't feel, you know, too bad about him. I thought he was going to have a great season this year. But yeah, Derek Rose, man, he's incredible. Like, you can see when he's inside the game, he's very decisive with the ball. Something that Kemba Walker is kind of lacking right now. So, you know, Derek Rose, amazing. And, you know, I hope that, you know, he can, maybe help Kemba out, try to get him through these slumps that he's in right now. Hey, you almost have to recalibrate how you, th- uh, how you think about Derrick Rose. You know, before the Knicks traded for him, you know, he was on Detroit. He was playing very well. He was in the conversation for the sixth man of the year uh, during his time there. He comes to the Knicks, he keeps that up, maybe even raises his level of play. But I think that you know, people were still thinking, oh, but he can you know, only play a, a certain amount of minutes. Um, you still need to have, you know, a point guard that's better than him if you're going to be successful. And, you know, to this point, about a year in, 
just looks like Derek Rose is a really, really great player. He's playing at such a high level. I don't take it for granted at all. I think he's so essential to this Knicks team. Even last year, the numbers showed that, you know, uh, the record in the games that he played, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was the best of any player we had. So, you know, you're not going to put him in the starting lineup and play him 35 minutes a game. You know, that wouldn't be fair to him. Uh, you want to... You want to figure out I've been wondering what I could do in his game to get a few more minutes with Derek Rose because uh, Derek Rose, you know, his penetration opens things up for other guys, plays a little bit faster of a, of a pace. Fournier is, a, Fournier is very good with, you know, trailing threes. So, you know, like we've said before, I'm not sure what it looks like to move things around with the rotation, but um, that starting lineup is, I think it's going to gel eventually and, you know, you really hope it does. And, um, you know, just more on the second half, um, I'm not surprised that Tibbs never went back to the starters. Um, I was hoping that he wouldn't. Now, maybe once the game was a tie and then the Bucks regained the lead uh, and that bench unit had been out there for a while, maybe you could have considered going back to RJ and Randall, maybe taking out Burks and Taj Gibson. But at that point, you know, let's say it's a tie game and you would reinsert those guys. You know, the Bucks go on a run and the Knicks lose. It looks like you, you know, messed with a good thing. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I understand Tibbs uh, sticking with things the way that they were. Uh, we didn't get to hear from any of the stars in the post-game press conference. But um, I really thought that uh, it could have been interesting to see, you know, the bench backcourt with Rosen quickly uh, next to R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Obi Toppin. I don't know how much that lineup has played this year. Probably not very much at all, but I think that's probably the lineup that intrigues me the most to see the Knicks get to. That would be very fast-paced, and I think that's exactly how the Knicks play at their best is just not thinking, just playing basketball and playing the basketball that they know how to play at a high level. Um, I really hope that Mitchell Robinson starts to uh, get the ball more in the paint. And I think that that would help even more with spacing. Um, I just feel like defenders and other teams aren't really even considering him as an option right now. I don't know if that's just because he's not getting a lot of looks from, you know, Kemba Walker or even RJ Barrett. Although I think RJ does look for him. Um, he is definitely one of the better passers on the team and he does have that court vision but I don't know if Kemba Walker has really clicked with him yet on that level, but I have seen those types of passes from RJ as well as from Derrick Rose. Um, but I think with Toppin playing the five with the backcourt of Rose and quickly along with Barrett and Randall, that would be a very, very fast paced starting lineup and not even starting. It doesn't have to be the starting lineup, but that would be really interesting to see them come into the game, at least for maybe 10 minutes, just to see how that works. And I think that defenses of other teams would definitely have to scramble to try to figure that one out. So I would also love to see that. Yeah, I definitely feel like Mitch could definitely be included more into the offense. I mean, tonight's a difficult night with Giannis as such a large paint presence, but yeah, Kemba hasn't really been driving to the paint to allow those, those lab opportunities for uh, Mitchell Robinson. Um, I'd really be interested to see if 
IQ gets time into the starting lineup, you know, in those games, especially when uh, Kemba sits out or rest. I know they usually will start Rose, but I feel like uh, quickly getting in there, um, having that shooting presence could definitely get him um, in a rhythm and could potentially even be a, a long-term solution if um, Kemba Walker maybe gets put to a bench role. I don't think that's highly likely, but if that were to be at a case at some point where the Knicks have to switch something up and line up, that's to be something that I'd be interested in too. But um, looking towards our next game, it's going to be against the Charlotte Hornets. They're 6-7 and seven on the season. They just had a, a win against the Memphis Grizzlies today, and Kelly Oubre dropped 37 points off the bench and hit 7-3. So that's a guy we have to watch out for next game on Friday. What are some matchups and thoughts that you guys have looking towards that game? So I think that uh, this is a good test for the rotations that Tibbs chooses to use. Um, the last couple of games we've gone up against um, Andre Drummond, Giannis, been packing the pain a little bit. But uh, against Charlotte, you know, they've got Mason Plumley. I don't think he's instilling fear in anyone. I don't think there's any reason why Obi and Randall shouldn't play together next game. I know we don't expect Tibbs to ever switch things up, but but uh, if there were ever a game to do it, you know, after such a disappointing loss tonight, after how well Obi played and Tibbs' comments in the post game, um, I think it's possible, unlikely but possible, that we might see that adjustment. And uh, you know, Kelly Oubre did go off tonight. I saw that. I was startled by that. But the way that role players have been killing us, like Knicks have to worry about Ish Smith. Knicks have to worry about Cody Martin. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm. Don't like getting used to this happening every single night. A role player going off like uh, Connaughton did tonight with the career high threes. Yeah, on that same vein, I'm very scared of Miles Bridges going off specifically, uh, just because he's he's kind of everywhere on the court all at once. I mean, he's so fast. He is extremely athletic. He's very explosive, and I don't think that the Knicks do very well against opponents with that type of offensive profile, um, at least for this season. I can definitely see the defensive last season taking care of that, but this season, not so much. Um, so I'm interested to see who they put on uh, Miles Bridges. If I had to guess, probably RJ. So hopefully RJ could put the clamps down as he does. Um, and then I also see that Gordon Hayward went off for 25 points that's another one that I would definitely look out for to have a career high against us I hope not um but I think those two should be an interesting matchup but I'm also just excited to see uh Lamella Ball I mean he's just so fun to watch so I'm just looking forward to the game in general I think they're a high energy team but I think Bridges and Hayward are the ones that we really need to look out for yeah this this feels like a trap game in the making there's just so many guys on this team that can kill us. You can see that they always run up and down the court. They fire off threes. I believe they're number one in, I don't know if they're still remaining, but at one point they were number one in threes attempted like right ahead of us. So they're going to be firing threes. So our three-point defense has to be on locks this game. You know, there's so many guys that can just go off against us and you won't be surprised. Terry Rogers, I think he was out at the beginning of the season. He's finally back. He's the guy who can kill us any night. LaMelo Ball, he's one of the maybe even on the top three point guards in the east now that you know um ben simmons Kyrie are out 
I was looking at the other day, like it's kind of hard to figure out who the all-star point guard is going to be in the East. And my one might be Trey Young, but after that, who's the second best point guard in the East right now? That's a pretty interesting, interesting thing to think about. But you know, Gordon Hayward is a guy that can always kill us any night. And you know, even guys on the bench, Cody Martin, James Booknight might. I don't know if he's playing or if he's injured, anything like that. But he hasn't been in the rotation. He's just a guy coming back. I don't know the get in the game where is in Charlotte, so we're not going to be at the Garden. But he's the guy playing against his hometown team. He's going to feel some motivation to come out and just kill us. So, you know, a lot of matchups. This would be a fun game. They play a fun style of basketball, fast pace. So I'll definitely be looking forward to it and see how we match up against them. One last thought on the Hornets matchup. Um, defending the Hornets starting five uh, seems like it might be a challenge. You know, you've got LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Gordon Hayward. RJ can't guard all three of them. Um, if I had to guess, I would, or not guess, but if, you know, what would I do? I'd probably have RJ Barrett on LaMelo Ball. I'd have Evan Fournier on Gordon Hayward, and then uh, Kemba Walker on Terry Rozier. But I don't think Kemba Walker or Evan Fournier is you know, too equipped to guard Terry Rozier. And I'm just... Uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, we haven't seen Deuce McBride at all yet, but it would have been a lot of fun to see Deuce McBride get to go up against LaMelo Ball. And uh, one last thing is I'm just glad that uh, Bismack Biombo isn't on the Hornets anymore because I feel like we might have given up 25 rebounds to him. Yeah, facts. Bismack Biombo is one of the guys that shouldn't be killing us, but... You know, just our luck this season has been up and down. But thank you for tuning in to the Knicks Wall at the Buzzer podcast. I appreciate you for making this far in the podcast. You're a real one for making this far. But we will catch you on Friday. Hopefully it's a win. We need some more W's on the on our record. And have a good day.